Welcome back to this week's episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I am one of your hosts. Sitting across from me is Natalie Dillon. Natalie, it's an exciting time of the year because it's cold outside. There's snow on the ground. <laughs> Lakes are starting to freeze and you love winter. It's funny. I feel like I'm now getting this reputation of being like winter's biggest fan and yeah. I do love it. But somebody like somebody asked me to explain the other day, like, is winter truly your, your favorite season? And I had to do some self-reflection and be pretty honest. And what I came up with is, yes, the best of winter is hands down my favorite season. But I'm not going to lie. Do I like love when it's minus 10 and windy. late March and windy? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. But this time of year, it's the best. You embrace it. We're getting it. into the goods. Yeah. Yeah. Got to dig deep. Got to embrace it. There's ice on our neighborhood pond. Mm -hmm. I had a very... Big game of hockey yesterday with my kids, their friends from hockey, and the neighborhood kids. I am sore, but there's enough yes. ice that if that was a lake that had fish in it, I could be ice fishing right now. Our which, neighborhood pond, same thing. Kids were out, and I just uh, scheduled my first ice fishing for next week. You're going ice fishing next Seven week? Seven days away. Yep. We are just- Eight days away. Brandon, w when is this podcast going on? Is it going to go out this week before Thanksgiving? All right, so we're- days away. Three days from Thanksgiving. Growing up, I always went up to my grandparents up in north central Minnesota by Brainerd area, and we went ice fishing on Thanksgiving. That that was pretty much the norm. And then for a while here, it felt like I, you know, Thanksgiving, depending on where you were- there was just no ice. I mean, some years it was December and we still didn't have ice on the lakes, but it's here, cold weather, uh, the forecast, depending on where you live. There's people ice fishing as we mm -hmm. speak right now. I'm going now. pretty far north. I always are do a, a girl's trip late November. Are you going to Red Lake? Sure am. Ah. Every year. So well, it's up there. We're guess, usually good by Thanksgiving. I guess sitting here, we just got to bring him in. We're talking fishing specifically, ice fishing today, and a lot of other fishing topics. Matt Jensen, the marketing director for Rapala. Matt, I know you've got a busy, busy schedule. Um, but I appreciate you taking a little bit of time today to come and join us. We are excited, just like you are, just like people listening. Ice fishing season is kind of like the lead into, you know, like deer season. You get excited for that. And then once deer season's over, it's like, all right, let's make ice. You know, there's this little time period there. And people are excited. It was uh, just this past weekend, right? The Blaine ice fishing show. And then a lot of like Shields and different places around the Midwest are having their own I shows you were saying that the the excitement level is probably higher than it's been in how many years? We are a big crowd that's excited for a cold snap. Yeah. So like <laughs> same as Natalie, like we're like, all right, this cold ones. snap is awesome because yeah. we're in the ice fishing business and yeah, excited to be here and chat about it because uh it's it's one where you know winter comes fast and it leaves fast and when you get those warm-ups in December and you're all excited about ice fishing, it kind of takes the mood out of you, right? Yeah. So it's depressing. Yeah. Because there's this excitement for the fall. You're like me. We like to hunt as well as fish. So once the hunting season kind of winds down, you're like, let's fish. I want to fish. We need ice. Come on, don't linger. Like get ice. And then what do you consider safe ice? Right. You know, and so when we get a big cold snap right away where everyone gets out there, it extends the season. But the anticipation right now is, is very high for it. Early ice is a great thing. And I've only had one time where I've like set tip ups up on Thanksgiving in Wisconsin. I, I ice fish a lot in Wisconsin and I hunt in Wisconsin and, and like, I can only remember one time and it's gearing up for that. So like we're getting one of the best early ice seasons, which is going to be great. And we hope it stays. Well, we're going to get into, you know, a lot of new and exciting things in the ice fishing world, but we'll also dabble on the show into kind of like the big picture of the fishing industry here in Minnesota, the Midwest, nationwide, and then worldwide too, because Rapala is a worldwide organization. You've got a huge role within the company. You, your scope and what you know, I think is interesting. It, like when we get together, we're always talking like, what's happening in Japan? You know, like <laughs> what are they doing over there? And you know, which is, I think is interesting. But how did you get this job? How long have you been with Rapala and how did you become what a lot of people listening might consider this a dream job. How did you land it? And even take us back a little bit, if, I'm, if I may add, to have you been ice fishing your whole life, fishing your whole life? I know you're a yeah. Wisconsin guy. Okay. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was down at the, I was down at the dock in diapers. I mean, just one of those just love, and I have a nine-year-old now where he's, um, both my kids, but my nine-year-old boy is just like me. He just 
you know, put I, don't know. I think fit. Matt's a better fisherman than you, though. I've seen him. He's he's already proven <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, but I think you just grow up like when you're around it and you can get on a lake and, you know, parents got me in the outdoors. It just kind of, you build that passion up for the outdoors. And um, I've been at Rapala for 18 years now, 2004. Jeepers. Yeah. How long have you been marketing director? Um, five, six, about five, six years. What is that? So, what is that? mean when when you tell people that this is my job like explain what that actually means from your day-to-day because you're sending emails sometimes at like two in the morning that I, get. <laughs> I try not to do that yeah well well it's i mean we we have amazing brands and i was in sales for years like 13 years just traveling the country learning those markets um what's the you know what are the hot items that sell we have we have strike Master, we have rapala we have lure jensen which is a big brand out in the pacific northwest so a lot changes per market. We're really blessed here in Minnesota to have the fisheries that we have and uh, the brand like Rapala and Strikemaster are part of the same company. So, um, But what I think on marketing is is coming from the sales world is really like, you know, you need that long-term branding strength, but every season you have to have new and exciting products for the consumers. And this year, what's, you know, what's new going into the season of ice fishing? What's new around the fishing opener as everybody's hitting retail and looking for the hot new lure or the best line. And, you know, so we try to have a, a, a really fun perspective of having that, you know, that long-term branding that Rapala's always had, the fun energy, the billboards. We love billboard, billboard season, season, right? Yes. And, um, you know, great balsa fire actually on billboard. Like, yeah. That was my favorite this year. And then Top Gun comes out with their second movie and the song blows up again. And our billboards, you know, on 35, Great Balls of Fire. It was, like, it was good timing. So um, that's that's really fun for the brand. And we want, we've always want wanted to make people smile and high five when they're thinking about our brands. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Well, I would say growing up, watching fishing shows instead of cartoons, the Rapala commercials always stood out to me. Yeah. Always. And I, like, even some fishing buddies, we we joke about some of the commercials that have been made. You guys have always had a lot of fun with it, which I think people, when they see it, like, they just associate pretty much, like, the whole marketing side of it because it's fun. Like, you, you not only do they catch a lot of fish, but, like, there's commercials that you can cite, yeah, you know, to buddies, you know, it's working when, when you can do that kind of thing. Do you have uh, how much of your time is spent hands on building that kind of um, content that people get to take in? Well, I think it's it's very hands off, or hands on, but it it it's a really a big team, right? Like a lot of the best ideas for for our brands come from people within our internal team. Um, our agency, our media partners, like you guys, like I always like to look at it from a from a bigger perspective. Like the best ideas come from people who are passionate about fishing, and when we come across it, we embrace it and we build the campaign around it. So, you know, like some of the things you said we were going to talk about on the ice fishing side, like it didn't just go, "Hey, let's do this," yeah. right? It was, you know, it was ideas that that build into concepts, and then we take it from there. Best friends forever. Best friends forever. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, Travis was, kind of alluded to this earlier, but working for Rapala is definitely a dream job, I think, to a lot of people probably listening, a lot of younger people around here. How did you first like get connected? Did you always think that you were going to work in the fishing world, or how did that start? I've answered this question before, and I'm pretty consistent in my answer that when I was in college, like I had a professor that just said, you know, what do you want to do when you graduate? I was a business degree, finance and economics, and, and I said, I just want to work for a company I believe in. And I did not know what that meant, but that was my answer. And, you know, so when I, when I got my first job at Rapala, like I really just loved what I discovered and they've, you know, over the years here in Minnesota, they built, you know, a really great company and, and great brands. And, you know, we don't, you know, we don't want turnover. We want people to like be family at our office. And so it's been, and you find that in our industry, our industry is, is pretty small. It's amazing if there's like news in our industry, not even a part of our company, we find out about it like three seconds later. Like, yeah. you know, and so I think that's what's fun about the outdoor industry is you become friends with everybody you work with. Mm-hmm. And it's like when our schedules are busy, but we still try to carve out a little bit of time to get out fishing and, and catch up. But we're using a lot of the lures, you know, like when we go out and have coffee and we're like, I don't know, I, I guess it's it's fun to be able to, see some of the things that you're working on like hey you know this works this way and this way 
anglers are a big part of making your baits. Mm -hmm. Maybe the whole thing, right? I mean, the mm -hmm. feedback that you guys take in, um, and does it work? That's, that's the thing. Since I bought my first Rappel Allure, it works right out of the box. And so you trust it and you have to keep that trust going on top of everything else that you guys are doing. I mean, like Kleenex, it's, it's a tissue, but it's a brand. A lot of people call them, I'm going to put on a Rappel. Oh, you mean a crankbait? Right. You know, but for the longest time, people, I called it a Rappel. I didn't know any different as a kid growing up. It's just what I called it. So it's, it's fun to see this massive lure company right here in our backyard and then to have the friendships as well. We're in the uh, we're in the business of helping people catch fish. Right? <laughs> what a sweet I mean, business! Yeah. Isn't Putting it? smiles it's, on people's faces. It's pretty faces. cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. Well, um, let's talk. Let's go big picture first um, before we get into what's new in the ice fishing world. Um, COVID hit and just rocked everybody worldwide. But in the fishing industry, there was an explosion. In the outdoor industry, there was an explosion. Um, what did, you know, worldwide, what did the fishing industry do that you guys saw and where are we at today? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it boomed. I mean, really the simple answer, it boomed. And we all, we've all experienced that, but um, just looking at fishing license sales and what, you know, you guys have done just promoting even just here in Minnesota, but we saw nationally and globally, but nationally, like in the U.S., fishing license sales boomed like so high, the chatter became well, what's the retention rate going to be? Like uh -huh. if we keep, you know, if we keep any of this, it's going to be great for, for the fishing world. And, um, it, nobody could keep up. Uh, and now things are, you know, as we say, getting back to normal a little bit, if, you know, if movies are back on sports are back on kids are involved in a million things, but, um, the, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fall off, but we are keeping a lot of them. And that's the main thing. The main you know, I work with the American Sport Fishing Association and their big organization that helps protect this industry. And it's all about like retention. We have to retain the people who jumped into the sport and have fallen in love with it now. And Can they quantify it right now where it's at from the boom to where we're currently at today? They can. The The data is always, you know, a year behind maybe by the time um, they're, you know, they're jumping into it. But like there was a big campaign of um, um, before COVID of, like getting to 60 million anglers in 60 months. And then all of a sudden, you know, the outdoor industry just went, you know, nuts and they were there. And, you know, so, but I would say, you know, gut feeling, you know, 10 to 20% of the people will stay or they'll leave and come back. And because people would have good experiences, but now life is busy again, but it, those good experiences, they're not going to forget they're going to come back. I'm curious, have you seen any, seen any trends with the uh, demographics of people that started maybe fishing in the last few years, either because of COVID or not, who are staying with it? You know, I'm a woman myself. You know, we've talked a lot about how there's more and more women getting into the sport all the time, more and more kids getting into the sport all the time. Have you seen any of those trends? For sure. Women women and youth uh, are a very, very big focus in, in our industry um, and a big part of the growth. And I think just the way technology is advanced, the way, you know, access continues to be improved and just in the way people can learn. So like the youth, uh, the amount of like high school teams now that they have here in, just in Minnesota, right? We went from maybe 10, four or five years ago to 150 high school teams. And, and then you times that by every, you know, every state, then you have all the college Cause teams. that's happening now. Every yeah. state, right? Yeah. Fishing teams. Yeah, all over. And parents, they may their kid might just love fishing, and then they watch YouTube and they learn everything. And then parents just are like, "Well, all right, how could, how do I support you?" Right. So there are new ways people are are getting into the sport versus your parent or your grandpa or your uncle. And um, I think that's what you know makes it you know the the entry easier. Yeah, which is really cool. So this this growth is happening in the United States. What about other countries? Are, are they following along? Do they have the ability to go out? Do they have this free time that we are blessed with in America to go fish? They do. For I, fun. For fun. Yeah, yeah. for fun. For yeah. fun. It, it, I mean, it did, it did boom everywhere. Our North, uh, you know, North American partners up in Canada, our Rapla Canada office, they had, you know, they had record sales, you know, the last couple of years as well as the U.S. Um, for all the Rapla brands. But, 
around around the world, it was there were you know there were some countries that had actually you know less restrictions, and then there were some countries that had so many you know restrictions that it hindered things. But in general, people wanted to go outside and stay outside, and that's and that led to a you know a pretty big growth. Where's your headquarters? Hills- not not talking the Minnetonka. Minnesota headquarters, yeah. but worldwide. Yeah, our corporate office was out of Helsinki, Finland. How many other countries do you have offices like we have here? 30 to 35. Okay. Um, and popularity-wise, how does the United States or you know the amount of lures that you guys sell in America, how does that compare to a different, different countries? What, what's next in line, or are we top? Top, for sure. And the, the U.S. is... Um, just has so many different waterways, so many different species of fish where, you know, in our, in our, the size of our country is so much bigger. Like we're over in Europe, you know, their countries are the size of our States. Right. And, and then perch fishing might be super popular in, in one country. And then Xander is super popular in another. I'm still trying Pike. to get Xander stocked in a lake in this state. Are just, you? Yeah. Why not? Let's have a super lake. Yeah. You know? We'll sign the petition. Get yeah. it going. I'm serious. Brandon's laughing. It's not the first time I brought this up, but how cool. You know, like we stock walleye, we stock muskie, we stock all these other fish. Just give one lake that doesn't have a stream in or out so they can't leave. Just see what happens. I know they did it in North Dakota. Yeah, they did. But I think we could have like uh, Xander and tig- not tiger muskies, but pure strain muskies. And there was another fish that I wanted to, to just like put all the top dogs in one spot <laughs> and see what happens. Anyway, I'm getting there. sidetracked. Keep going. Uh, well, where, 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 I might bring us on a tangent it, here. <laughs> yeah, take it away. I might bring us on a tangent here, but I got to know, I like to travel. Travis, you do too. Have yeah. you been to a lot of these countries that you, Rapala has offices in? I've, yeah, I visited Helsinki office uh, a few times. Um, I would say probably that one of the favorite visits I've been on was, um, so our hook company, VMC, mm-hmm. right? They're out of France. So one year we flew down to France and we went to Movilar where the original town where the VMC family pretty much employs all the people in town and they have this amazing factory and they produce, I want to say 80% of treble hooks in our entire industry. And that's, you know, they're selling treble hooks to all of our competitors because you want the best treble hook, you're putting a VMC on this. So, but seeing Helsinki, Finland was really cool. Um, and, and going down to, um, France and where the hook factories are. And it's pretty epic. Did you get to fish in those locations? We fished for pike in the Baltic Sea, which is kind of weird to yeah, say, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, wait, the Baltic Sea, but it's, it's, it's very like brackish, brackish water. Yeah. yeah. So we're over there and got to go pike fishing and I caught one pike, which I was like, bucket list. There we go. Yeah. I, caught a, I caught a pike over here and it was super cool. They get fat up there, don't they? they I think really every big. picture I see in like Scandinavia, Huge. they're giant. They're good pike anglers over there. And that's why a lot of the a lot of the baits we have, like Super Shad Wrap and and some of the others, they're they're just great sellers over here because they're they're good pike anglers over there. Yeah, and the pike are obviously going to translate over here, but they are a different fish, right? They're not the same strain that we have over here. I view it like turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a Miriam. <laughs> right. as a, yeah, visually well, they, when you look at them, we don't get. 50 pound pike over no, here like they no. get over there right and they don't have muskies so that's so they I, come over here to fish our muskies oh yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I do see those photos as well and the ones that go viral over here where people's like oh my buddy ed caught it at you know lars lake over there no that's a european fish they do yeah. not go yeah. that big over here yeah um so but back the, to what natalie said they're yeah. very it, it's a very midwest feel you know, mm-hmm. you look you look around the globe, you can you draw a line of kind of where you landed and you're like, it is like you're driving down the roads, like it, it feels like you're driving countryside here. Um, green forests, you know, farms and and you know, but they have really cool like Helsinki's a really cool cool city. So we have other fishing companies. I think of Rapala is probably the biggest in, in America, but there are other companies like Strike King or something, you know, that you guys compete with in the market. What do you compete with over in Europe? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it's, you know, Rapala is biggest here. So that's what, what's really interesting. And it's because of how strong fishing is here. So even though our corporate office is, is over there, their brand strength is great. But, but our company over there is dialed into a lot of other businesses. 
cross-country skis. Really? Um, yeah, a lot of different categories that you wouldn't really, you know, knives, hunt, hunting knives, knives yeah. all of, yeah. So they, so their, their total business is added up with a lot of other brands that we might not even see here um, that, that they'll get invested in. But the brand, the brand strength here of Rapala is because over there, they're professionals at Balsa. So shad wraps, DT series, like all those trolling baits that walleye anglers love and bass fishermen, the crankbaits and the original floater, they're, they're perfect at manufacturing balsa fishing lures. And that, yeah. you know, so th- what they do well over here is how, what booms our business over here. How do you describe the work life over there? As it, you know, like how different is it over there, the, the attention to detail that they're paying to every single hook or the balsa lure that comes out or, or bait. Um, and can you even compare that to something here in the U.S.? No, but I, like when I got to tour, like all the different stations of where our lures travel in a small area, I think one stat they told us when we were on a tour was that like this lure will, like 18 different sets of hands will touch this lure before it goes in the final box. Right. Which is like, what? But wow. then you see, okay, they're, you know, like you think of the lures, like all the different steps it has in painting, all the different like split rings, the hooks, the eyes. I mean, just the way they, and then you have to mass produce it. Right. I mean, we have a lot of lures in Rapala and then you have to also mass produce them for, for the industry. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, really cool to see that attention to detail and the hand tune tank tested is something that I'll always bring up because it is, when you walk into that last room and you see 24 testing tanks with a, a lot of women, people don't know this, but a lot of, because they're very, very good at detail and what they're looking for and how to tune Can it. Can I get you to repeat that again? Women, <laughs> yes. So, and it's, it's really cool because they're, you know, they know what to see. And, you know, they say like every Rapalure is hand-tuned and tank tested. It's, it's true. So it gets ran in a tank. Unless it's a super deep dive and bake like a thirty foot saltwater lure or something, but yeah. um, it's it's ran in a tank and viewed, and they make sure it's exactly how it's supposed to be running. They tune it; they're very precise at it. They do a great job, and um, so that is like a really cool statement for us to sure. be able to to see the quality control of you know of lures. You know, do your competitors do try to do that? Because when I put them on, I know that it's going to run true. I don't even have to test it, but I've put on other crankbaits you know i remember mm-hmm. growing up and trying whatever i thought looked cool on the box and then i put it in and like you're going and it runs sideways now it's up on the surface and you're like then it dives back down and you know when you say tank tested and runs mm-hmm. true that's what it means is that it's diving it keeps a straight track that it's on it doesn't veer off and go blow out from the sides right other companies do that i think the testing is just different where it's maybe more selective like um every thousandth lure Let's test, make sure because of the way they manufacture. But balsa is different, and we're really we're the big. We're not the only one in the game, but we're the we're the biggest, and we've just made that commitment that we're never going to stop that process because that is what keeps our reputation year after year after year of having the best quality of balsa lures. What's, and we make a lot of plastic lures, yeah, but we test hand tune tank them as well. Yeah, what's is it still the Rapala jigging wrap the the largest selling Rapala lure? I think when you combine winter and ice, um, original floater is is for sure number one. Okay. But then jig and wrap is um, right one in that top top few. Huh. And it's interesting because the floater's been around since when? 1936 is our, yeah. right, is like when it was first being hand, hand carved. But it was introduced here in the U.S., I want to say, in the 60s. Huh. Can so, you tell us a little bit about, like, product development? Are you always coming up with new products, testing, tweaking. How does that always. work? Whoa, I almost fell out my chair, but from yeah. start to finish, can you like walk us through? Well, so marketing's the fun side of the business, but we're really only as good as our products, right? And like you always want to be marketing something new every year for the consumer, but our product development team is, you know, they're amazing. They they if we look at our business, we're always averaging around that 15 to 20% of our business is new products. Um, and that includes the strike master business on maybe a new auger, but, um, I mean, that's, that's a big commitment every year to try to maintain that, but you, you have to, because I mean, you like to fish. I like to fish, right. When you start like 
half of the fun of fishing is your tackle box. Right? And <laughs> That's why kids are always sorting their tackle. Oh, mm-hmm. always, always sorting your tackle. It's Big just, kids, mm-hmm. little kids, everyone in between. Yep. Yep. Right now it's Christmas is coming up. I mean, we're e-blasting out, you know, stocking stuffer ideas. And sometimes you just got to have some simple well, messaging. Well, throw a couple and, out. What are some good stocking stuffer ideas? Well, I'm I like shad, a shad wrap yeah. or line. Right, a spool line. You think of just like being able to fill up a stocking, and a lot of times you might roll with just some candy and you know, like little things for kids or whatever. But you throw some Rapala lures and and some line in in a in a stocking. That's pretty. Or if Santa does, yep. I mean, my kids all got. He's uh, listening to this. So I was going to say. I took depending the, on who's listening. I took the hooks off of Rapalas and then I gave them to my kids. And then we'd hang them on the Christmas tree, like for their first year. Nice. So they got mm-hmm. their, their first fishing lures. I feel like you guys have done that here at the office. Yeah, too. we've done mm-hmm. rapidly yeah. Christmas trees before. Um, so, last thing on the fishing industry side here, and then we'll get into ice fishing. But how does the Midwest or you know we're in Minnesota here? How do we rank nationally fishing wise? Like what? percentage of business happens here because i think people would like to fist pump if they're good at something you know so somebody listening right now in minnesota where do we rank nationally in the fishing world it's a good question because a lot of people like to talk about like florida the fishing capital of the world right and i think that's um but we're the land of ten thousand lakes well exactly and that and i think so for for our business minnesota's number one right like high five right i so if we go travel at all the retail stores, like in, you know, more in the Southern, you know, where the big, the heart of bass fishing is in the South, Rapala has a lot of growth initiative within those markets because we haven't been the biggest brand, but we know what we need to be making, right? In like tournament level, um, you know, because of the the boom in bass fishing, right? Tournament level baits, crankbaits and jerkbaits and kids, kids are putting live sonar on John boats now. I mean, so... <laughs> You got to keep up with that trend of of how they're advancing really fast, and yeah. you got to throw baits at them that are going to work that way. But uh, I mean, for us, Minnesota is number one. This this state is is real. It would really be hard to to try to vote against. And then I mean, then probably Florida. Yeah, yeah, Florida. I mean, it kind of depends on what you're talking about, right? Because we want to start go down the salmon route. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about Oregon and, mm-hmm. and that fishery out there. And we, you want to, I was actually out in Cape Cod, um, for what's called striper fest earlier this year. That fishery is unbelievable. And the striper market is really, really cool. And those anglers love throwing artificial lures uh-huh. and you know, where you go down to Florida, it's hard to grow in artificial lures cause it's so much live bait. So in we, Florida, in Florida, we, we sell the shiners to take up too much or what? Or is that like the main thing that they're using? Shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Shrimp. Pilchers, oh, right? Offshore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything saltwater. Yeah. So to grow in saltwater. People stuff. are using shiners. Yeah. 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 And they're exactly. It's so, but that striper market, I mean, there, there's a big conservation push around protecting them. Um, the anglers get really excited about like investing into the brands and the artificial lures, like, you know, X wraps for us are big out there. And so I went out there to see it and then just try to develop more plans to like target that area because it's kind of an untapped market for a company like us. All the big brands are kind of started out there, built their brand, and, you know, but we have we have opportunity in markets like that. The holiday season is upon us and I have a gift idea for you that might just be the greatest gift you can give a loved one, especially a mentor in your life or a young child. I'm talking about a lifetime hunting or fishing license. Heck, you can even get them both. That's what my wife and I did for our two boys. We saved up and got them each a lifetime sportsman's license when they were five and six years old. Just last week, my entire family pitched in to get our nephew a lifetime sportsman's license for Christmas. It's the gift that keeps giving for the rest of their life. If they move out of Minnesota, that's okay. Their license is always valid when they come back. If license prices go up, that's okay. Their license is already purchased. When I say forever, I mean forever. And just think about all of the memories they'll be making on the water, in the fields, and in the woods. The process to obtain this license is very simple. Just head to the Minnesota DNR website and search for lifetime licenses. You'll see all of the licenses available and the information needed to order them. This year, instead of purchasing a gift that will go out of style or get tossed in the dumpster, get your loved one a gift that lasts forever. Share the outdoor passion this holiday season. One day, they might just tell you it's the greatest gift they've ever received. 
I've been on the road a lot this fall, drinking water from a lot of remote locations and hunting camps, and for the first time, the drinking water has been extremely noticeable, and unfortunately, many times, not in a good way. That's because I have a Connecticut drinking water system in my house, giving my family and I the cleanest, purest water possible. The water in some of those other locations, not always so pure, not always so clean, and I can taste it. I tell people all the time just how much of a difference pure water makes now that I have installed the Connecticut water system in our home. Our drinking water is safe and tastes great, and our appliances don't run on hard water. And if I had hair, that would be soft and smooth too. At least that's what my wife and kids tell me. We have so much peace of mind knowing that we have safe water in our home. Connecticut provides the world's most efficient water softening systems. They use significantly less salt than other systems and zero electricity. Aquarius Home Services install Connecticut systems, and they believe in earning the right to be recommended, and I recommend them. Find out how clean, pure water can change your life. Schedule your free water analysis today at AquariusHomeServices.com. This episode of Do North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. As far as ice, fish, ice fishing is concerned, like we get immersed in it here. You don't have to go too far south for people to look at you really strange when you say you've got a fish house that you drive out onto the lake with and you camp in, yeah. you know, like my ice castle, I bring when I go hunting yep. and people look at me like, what is it? Yep. Why do you have holes in the floor? And I said, cause I fish in it. Don't you? But they don't they even in joke, Iowa, yeah. you know, parts of Iowa, that's not that far south. Right. Where is your ice belt that you, you cause like even the East coast, they, I felt like they were 15 years behind us. Anything from electronics to houses to augers, like, you know, they just, it's like they didn't get internet there or something. How do you not know that you have all this sweet ice fishing gear over there? It's so it really, it's Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas is right, is like the strong heart of ice fishing. Not Michigan? Michigan, Michigan would be next, but it's already, it's already changing when you get to Michigan. So like, you don't see wheelhouses over there in Michigan. Um, and, you know, the northern part of the state gets gets good ice, but I think they, they get a lot more snow. The southern part of Michigan actually can have a lot of fringe years where it's hand augers and, you know, we came out with the 24V, which is a great price point and lighter. That's great for that market over there. They sell pretty much once the 24V came out for Strike Master, that was a, we were like, there's your Michigan auger, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Ohio and that market, like as you go, along that belt, then it, then you're really getting into, you know, shorter seasons, thinner ice. Same with New York as well. Right. Yeah. Like New York and Maine has great, has great ice fishing. Um, they just, it's, they don't have like the retail and the access like we do. Like I fished in, um, outside of Syracuse one time with our reps, we did a meeting out there to focus on the Northeast ice fishing market. And what I had to do to get on the lake and then get out to try catch a trout in 90 feet of water. Well, here you just drive your wheelhouse, any lake you want. There's a cloud road. Like, and, and no, we had to park at a park, then walk down about a mile to the lake, the basin of the lake, and then walk out a mile and you're doing everything with sleds. And so it's either you have snowmobiles or you're walking. Slushy lakes then? Yeah. With all that snow? Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's, it's tougher so conditions. So I think less people get into it because all of a sudden it's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And we're here. It's, it is what I love about ice fishing here in Minnesota and the Midwest is so many more people can do it and have access to, to going ice fishing versus open water. 
open water can can get frustrating. You have you have the boat, you have a vehicle to pull mm-hmm. the boat, right? Yeah, like where if it's just a nice day and we have a foot and a half of ice on the lakes, you know, people can just they can get the right equipment. They can go out in their car. They can go out in their truck. Go out and have fun. Set some tip ups up do some jigging and, and have a lot of fun ice fishing. I think it's such a social thing too. You often see big groups mm-hmm. of like, I'll go out with, you know, five or 10 people. You can see groups of 15 people. If, you know, even one person or a couple people have, you know, gear and, you know, augers and couple poles, right. they can invite their friends and you don't all need to squeeze in a boat and be casting over each other. So exactly. I think that's the way a lot of people get introduced well, to. <clears throat> speaking of the social aspect, last winter we were up on Gull Lake for... The Super Bowl of ice fishing tournaments, the biggest, the great, what do they, everyone had a name, the granddaddy of them all. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah. And that, <laughs> it's 20. That means many things. Yeah, exactly. But the Brainerd JC's ice fishing contest has been dubbed the largest ice fishing contest in the world. I don't think anybody can dispute it. Um, since its first initial event, what was it, 30 years ago now? It's or, been 30 years. Yeah, yeah, 30 years. So, you guys, Strike Master, before Rappel acquired Strike Master, Strike Master had said, Yeah, we'll drill the holes for you. Yeah. And this past year, you guys went out there and set a record, and we were there to document it all. But you drilled 20,000 holes with your new battery powered auger as a statement to say, like, gas. Augers are a thing of the past, and this is what a battery-powered auger can do. Explain all that went into that entire event, and did you pull it off? Including yeah. who was counting. This is yeah. what I want to know. I was. <laughs> I was the official well counter. Were yeah. you actually? I was a clicker. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> we flew the drone and counted that way. Yeah. They, well, it was, it was awesome, and you guys did a great job like coming up and helping produce what, what our brand statement we wanted going into this year. We, we just put it on YouTube on our um, on our ice force channel. And it was really, really a cool experience because strike master started that tradition. They'll be the brand that'll drill out and they always average anywhere from, you know, 16,000 to 20,000 holes, let's say 22, 23,000 holes. Um, back in the day when they do gas, they just start up all the gas augers, let everybody rip. They grid it all out with snowmobiles and then you're just following and you're, and you're going right. And we were getting to the point where gas was going away and we were like, well, we're not making one any, anymore. We, we don't make a gas auger. And Officially done as of 2021? Oh, t- probably 2019, 2020. That yeah. long? We had, yep. Yeah. There was, There's was a few brands that still were making them because some retail was holding on to it and all that. But, you know, it's sidetrack. But if you're out on the ice and you hear a gas auger, everybody turns, weird? right? They're yeah. like, what? So Especially loud. when you hear that jiffy fire up. Yeah. You know, you can hear it across the lake yeah. and the next lake over. Yep. So um, we started talking about it. We're like, we don't want to, we don't want to lose a sponsorship. We want to keep doing it. And everyone was like, well, the 40 V is great, but I'm like, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a mountain. We got to climb to do it. And we're like, okay, first of all, the strike master 40 V has been out for enough years now where we know the performance there. It's just math. We just have to do the math. So how many augers do we need there for the amount of volunteers that are there? And how many batteries do we need? Because one battery, you can drill, a, and we ended up with literally it was like 16 to 18 inches of ice that day, yeah. which was awesome because all of our testing is in 16 inches of ice. So we were able to just do the math and go, how many extra batteries do we need up? Knowing once, once you drill that 100 holes and your battery dies, those get put on a charger, and then we have all these other batteries ready to go. And by the time we even got to, you know, the batteries were charged by the time we get to the afternoon, we knew we'd get one cycle from the first round of batteries. But so we pulled it off. We had a huge team. We had tons of pro staff come up. Um, a lot of our reps came up. You guys were there with us. I was there. I drilled more holes than I ever have in a day. Luckily you wanted to interview me later in the day. So yeah. actually I strategically got pulled us out of the hole drilling. I drilled <laughs> yeah. a couple myself as well, but I can say I was a part yeah, of something. Matt, time, for, time to do a little interview. I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> when you go for hours and hours oh. of drilling, because it's like it's not a huge team. I actually expected more people to be there. To drill twenty thousand holes, everyone's drilling like four to six hundred holes. Right. That's a lot of drilling. Right. And over how much time was this? I want to say five hours, hours, five hours of drilling. Cause you do a morning session, then they, you know, they feed all the volunteers and we all get to eat and regenerate and then go out and just keep drilling. And once the grid is, 
once the grid is drilled out, that's where that's what's kind of cool about that tournament. You have to fish in the grid. Yep. So the next day, everyone shows up and just has to pick a hole and start fishing. Well, the interesting thing, you know, that's the first time I've actually been to that event. They, I found it interesting that all the holes are drilled the night before or the day before. If sometimes it's twenty below zero, you can, can make ask? a lot of ice on a on a an eight yeah. inch hole in you know a twelve hour period. They got to figure out how to get through that extra, you know, whatever freezes. Chisels are popular at the at at that event at the Brainerd JC event, but we didn't have we didn't have any issues. We 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 drilled that entire time, and the forty V did amazing. We had maybe th- a couple that we had to let's say retire from the day, but you get volunteers coming. That I mean, mm-hmm. one. One person felt the top of our 40V and it felt warm. So then they grabbed a cup and put water on it, thought they should cool it down. <laughs> and we were like, okay, let's, let's just not put water on the, on, the, on the motor part of our battery auger. And here's another one. Yeah. Keep drilling. Well, then, so, so the, the other thing that I saw too, that I talked to a few of the volunteers, um, there's a lot of people that are used to drilling an auger where you have to jump on top of it, yeah. put all of your weight on it to try to like get it to bite and through it goes, the ice. Yeah. But the uh, the deal there is with these uh, with the Strikemaster blades, they pull it down, mm-hmm. you know. So these guys are pushing, and then it's almost like it's too much because it should just pull itself down. And then they were getting it to where it would have issues because they were putting all this weight on it. Yeah. But it's like no, no, no. We tried to do a couple of demos, uh, beforehand, but some people just don't listen. We needed more women there. Yeah, yeah, we actually showed you. Yeah, attention to detail. Yes, exactly. One thing we did learn is about like about weight. Like we learned, so we did that all with the 40V with the steel drill, but we make a light flight drill now, which is like saves quite a few pounds on your auger, and the performance is still amazing. It drills right. I mean, it's fast, all that. So we learned. All right, this was a pretty grueling five hours. Like maybe next year we go to the 40V light, which would be easier on everybody because like lugging around like a, a steel drill auger, you know, with the 40 V is, it was a lot. So, but we're going to do it again and we're excited about it. And I think it was a really cool statement. We can continue on with strike master. It's the new norm. Yeah. What else is exciting for you guys heading into this ice season? A lot of excitement right now for people gearing up. I feel like majority of the ice, the big purchases happen in like November and December when people are jacked up, new ice houses, new augers, new, you know, the big purchases, not the hooks that they lose on a Northern when they're sunny fishing. But like, what's new from your guys's uh, company coming out ice force? Sure. So, uh, the strike master 40 V light is, is going to be big for us. Uh, just having that, that lighter drill. And then we have a 10 inch model. So for the wheelhouse crowd, Wheelhouse crowd loves it, loves ten inch holes, and you know, or big pike fishermen and big walleye lakes and all that. They just like that ten inch hole. So we also have that lighter auger now in a ten inch model. I used to be huge into the ten inch bit because I would, yeah, growing up, I always use a ten inch bit, always, and I just wanted to have that extra. But then I had kids, yep. and it's amazing. Like, oh, small feet. Yes, it's amazing how that hole like just suctions them in. Yeah. I'd be like, there's a hole there, guys. Don't step in it. I turn around within three seconds. They've been mm-hmm. sucked into that eight inch yeah. hole. Like, so I just went and to just eight anything inches. you drop when you're in a nice house or out there, no matter what falls out of your pocket, it's just that much more likely to go <laughs> in the hole. to go over to it. The but cell it is, phone, whatever. Yeah, it yeah. is nice having that, that extra hole there. As far as, um, last year we were, you sent me a few of the, kind of like to pimp the ice house. Yeah. You know, and that's exciting. What explain some of the new features because the wheelhouse industry is t- exploded yep. up here. Um, what do you guys have now for people in wheelhouses? Well, so we have a, what we call like a new smart hub system, but uh, it all starts with the rattle reel, right? Rattle reels and wheelhouses are, you know, the number one tool you could have, but we created a track system where you can kind of like click and unclick and move things around. So you can mount, your smart hub connector or your track system um, around the wheelhouse, on the ceiling, wherever you want, and slide your tools around. So we have cup holder that'll attach. We have rattle reel. We have rod holders, rod storage holders. uh, And it's a really cool system. And we've even built displays at retail so that people walk up to NCAP and go, ah, Uh build them out of tongue and groove where they're, they're, oh, oh, wheelhouse. Yep. Yep. Well, that's, I've, here's what I found interesting or helpful about it with, 
kids in the house. Um, you know, I want to be able to move where things, you know, when we set up the table for the dinette, I don't want to have something there, but I can just slide it over. Now I put it in this spot here and it's just a little click thing. Whereas in the past, everything was screwed tight. Right. You couldn't move anything. And the bunk, when it, when the bunk slides out, now that's in the way. So now I've got a different spot for that. So I think the gender, you know, like the evolution of ice houses is huge. And obviously getting into that. Um, but then you've even got, you know, this is, we're getting into the weeds here a little bit, but like on your buckets, you know, people have, mm-hmm. they pimp their bucket out too. Yeah. You can even mount all that stuff to the side of the bucket. Yeah. We've made the clamps for buckets and for like just flip over shelters because there's a massive amount of people that like to just go out fishing in their um, flip over or their, you know, with the round or the square tubing, doesn't matter which brand you have, it'll work for all of it. So it's, it's just making it, you know, more accessible of like getting, you know, getting more bait down the hole. Uh, more options. And that's, I always am like, I'm maximizing my opportunity when I go ice fishing. Yeah. As far as power sources, what, what have you guys come out with there? Well, that one thing we're really investing in is just more, more things to use your, the batteries we're selling, you know? So like the 40 volt battery is now going to have your auger battery, our auger battery. Yeah. Yeah. So a 40 volt battery that we have or a 24, like we want to be able to use those batteries for other things. And we're investing a lot into the next five years to do that. So someone spends the amount of money they do on an auger or a super awesome electric flay knife, like our R12 Rapala electric flay knife. Eventually, we want other seasons to have that battery to, to power things, right? Whether it's an adapter to just charge your phone or turn on lighting, you know, inside your, your flip over. Um, we've got a power station it's going to be coming out that will that has a Bluetooth speaker and yeah, you know, was, that's what I was wondering. Is that available yet? It's not, oh. but it's coming. When are we thinking? Can you give a timeline? I got a sample in my office. Well, <laughs> I got a sample. That's why I wanted to see if we could talk about this thing. It's cool. It was so COVID delayed a lot of things. Yeah. So that was one that actually just um, where you know different parts were coming from around the country or from around the world, like different factories. We had to delay it a year. So, ah, but it's coming. Sorry. It's really cool, and everyone knows yeah. about it because we kind of like let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. And then, so that yeah, was. I one just that assumed was it would be available right now. Yeah, it's ah. supposed to be. It'll be. Sorry, Natalie. Next That's okay. Year. I'll wait. You're right. Yeah. So, aside from products and technology for a little bit, I want to hear for you. What do you get most excited about this time of year for ice fishing? What gets you most excited to get out there? I think it's just, you know, it's a sport where eventually you hit spring and it's over, and you don't get to go anymore. It's not like, oh, I'll just, I'll do that in a couple weeks again. Or so there's that anticipation. And that's what I love about the seasons here in the Midwest is you can get excited going into every season and every year there's more, there's more things that come out that just make it more fun to take kids out fishing. And I mean, I just get, I get really excited to just get kids out fishing and they're getting more comfortable now. They're doing, you know, they're, there's just like better outerwear, there's better, you know, better rods and reels. There's just, our industry has done a good job, like making ice fishing a really fun sport for everyone. Yeah. And, um, we, we try to stay invested in, in all of that and just be a part of, you know, the, the ladies that are getting into ice fishing and, and just really like try to accommodate all of the, the youth and, and all that. So I get, I get excited about that. We've talked about that a little bit on the show previously about how when you are introducing somebody new to the sport, whatever their background is, the the best way to guarantee that they don't come back is if they're just like uncomfortable or have a bad day. So it's a good thing that you bring it up if you yeah. are bringing out, you know, kids or friends or whatever. Get them the right gear the first time because I think it's so easy to sometimes be like, oh, whatever. I mean, the first time I ice fished, I had a pair of sweatpants on with a pair of rain pants over it. And it was just... Cool. One of the worst, like, I'm so sitting glad on a bu- that I sitting went on back. a bucket outside? I was mostly, like, kneeling the whole time. So it's like my, you know, knees yeah. were all beat up and it was freezing. And yeah. I'm lucky that I had spent enough time in the outdoors that I was like, oh, I'm going to give this another go and do it right. But something for people to for sure keep in mind. I making those, sure people are well set. Yes, I had those warm. old moon boots. You remember those? Mm-hmm. And then my parents put... Uh, bread loaf of uh, uh, bags over my feet inside because like they didn't Brandon you remember yeah. those yeah do you ever have those Matt you, you know there was no waterproofing at mm-hmm. all like they soaked in everything so to keep my feet dry I had 
bags yeah. inside of my boots. So don't be like us your first time. Yeah. Yeah. I still went back. I don't know why. I mean, and we sat outside. We didn't have, we had the old um, suitcase fish houses. You remember like the old Mankato style that they call them around here? But yeah, basically folds up in a suitcase and there's these poles that stick up and it's nothing like the ease that you have today. Yeah. I mean, these houses that you can zip up like a backpack if you want to. Yeah. Um, and that's really what makes ice fishing so accessible to everybody. Like you mentioned, you don't need a boat, you don't need a truck, you don't need a whole lot to get into it. I mean, if you think about it, what, what would you tell somebody that they need to catch a fish through the ice? You need a sled. Yep. Right? To walk out, you need a sled, something to drill the hole. I mean, and rod and reel. That's Even cool. a jiggle stick will yeah. work. Yeah, I grew up on a wooden stick, and then when I was done, you know, I had to, I had to the take the line dowels. and wrap it, wrap, wrap it around two nails. Yep, or whatever, and like you hand, hand over hand, bluegills all day long. I remember I made one as a project for school, and I put a nail. I had to figure out how to get the nail into the wood, and then have a stick because we used to stick them into the ice next to the hole. And I remember fishing on that lake up north uh, that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And the crappies were in like 45 feet of water. So we'd take that two by four that I had uh, the line wrapped around and I would just start walking with it. My dad would hold his hand and then whoop, the fish would come flying up the hole because otherwise a six-year-old, eight-year-old kid trying to hand over hand would be a disaster, yep. you know. Yep. So it's amazing how far it's come. Uh, looking outside of your company, Matt, I mean, what else in the ice fishing world gets you excited this year looking big picture here? I just like, I say just seeing the, the growth in, in ice fishing. And I think like you guys talked about earlier, the, like the boom of wheelhouses, right? Like, and we're friends with a, a lot of the, you know, a lot of those companies and what, what they're doing and, and what um, shelter companies are doing. Um, I think just, it's really cool to see, to see the growth and where this, the sport has come electronics. We haven't even set, talked about electronics and that's, that's changing the game. But the generations coming up, they need electronics to stay invested in the sport, right? Because, and um, so it's, it's a good thing, but it's, it's just different than how, you know, how we got into it. So, um, but it's, I think that's what really is, is helping our, our ice fishing business stay strong. Anything that you can let people, anglers, know about that you're working on coming up? Well, I mean... We're always working on new, but I'm trying to think. I want to dig deep on like some marketing ideas that would be more fun to share than even product stuff. Product stuff can, you know. Well, they want to know what they catch more fish with, right? We <laughs> <Yeah>. want to know. <laughs> Probably can't spell the beans. All right. Is I won't, there a marketing idea you want to share? Is there something that you're working on there that? Um, We're just going to keep digging yeah. until you share something. <laughs> No, I think, you know, like the, we, we have a great program, you know, for on the ice right now, this time of season, but, um, you know, we are, we are trying to continue to invest, um, in the bass fishing world because that growth is so huge. So, um, we have other categories you don't see Rapala in right now that Rapala is working on jumping in. And when we do that, it'll be really fun for the consumer base. So, um, they can, they can take that information and, and roll right, with it. Right. How about that? All so. right. Now I'm intrigued. So. <laughs> now you got me. We're going to talk offline here. So <laughs> shifting gears entirely, going uh, thousands of miles away, I've heard about oh, yeah. uh, Antarctica trip being a, oh. a potential. Um, our, have you been? Dream trip, you've never Matt. been to Antarctica. Okay? I have not. And so what is Travis it and I have talked about this for years. Yeah. So what's, is, what's drawing you guys there? Ice fishing? Or just no. Um, okay, so Rapala holds the world record for yep. most world records, yep. you know, and that includes, you know, a record line class in different, you know, right around the world, and you have a record on every continent except Antarctica. Correct. And Tom Mackin and I were fishing together maybe like ten years ago. Yeah. President of Rapala back then, and I was like, Tom, we gotta catch that record on the last continent and he he was just kind of like quiet for a little bit and then yeah maybe you know like I don't remember we just left it well then a couple of years go by and all of a sudden you send me this email Mackin says it's time to get that world record yeah yeah and I ever think since I then you and poking. I have been like whoa 
I never realized what it takes to get to Antarctica, but it just yeah. was such a cool concept and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, can be a goal of ours. And I think we already were like, you researched the fish and you were like, Patagonia toothfish. Yeah. That's a sea bass. It's like, uh, let's see, I'm going to try to explain this as quickly okay, as I possibly can. I might be getting fact checked here, but I've been saying for years now that, you know, you get the Chilean sea bass on a menu at a restaurant. Sure. I'm, I definitely read somewhere, you can fact check me, but that that is actually a, what's the term you just used? A what toothfish? Patagonian. Patagonian, Patagonian toothfish, toothfish, but they yeah. renamed to Chilean sea bass for marketing purposes because nobody wants to eat a toothfish. Yeah. I think yeah, I it's not too. a very, it's not a particularly uh, beautiful fish to the eye. It's but we both agree it'll eat a jigging rat. It would eat a jigging rat. <laughs> That's For what sure. we both agreed. <laughs> like if if we catch it, she's a beaut. We're gonna catch it on a jigging rat. Yep. I think the thing that we so logistically making this happen is is what Brandon kinda, says. I'm right, by the way. What's that? The the Chilean sea bass, Patagonian toothfish. It's a marketing ploy. Yeah. Love having you here, Brandon. Yeah. Um, the ice, like the depth that we would have to get through to catch it, yeah. I believe was, was a challenge, but it's, it's still doable. Yeah. And I'm if we do like it, we're going to document 10 like, feet, three feet. Well, we have plenty of extensions. We can, yeah, we can figure a that lot out. of extensions, was, you know, the, but the, the, the concept was really cool because we, you know, Rapala is at like over 600 world records. And that's why the campaign has always been hold the world record for world records. Really cool campaign they did back in the day. And the next brand is, you know, 100 or 80 or something like that. So um, it's really cool to see Rapala set itself apart with the IGFA, which is like kind of manages all the record keeping for game fish. So it's still on the list. We haven't taken it off of our bucket list. Nope. It's just that it's Obstacles. on the list, but you've had, I mean, you've had a few kids yeah. <laughs> since we started talking yeah. about this and but, I, I but now had a we're couple. Done with and, that, Matt, so right. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. We can get back to planning again. I know. I think I agree. I'm, I'm on board with it. That would be quite a statement. And people talk about like trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Once in a lifetime trip. And that would be. Well, logistically getting there is a big deal. Um, you know, we started the process of trying to figure out what it would take just to get there. And then it's not like people go fish in Antarctica. They, there's some commercial fishing that happens right. offshore, but it's not, you know, like, hey, it's a Saturday afternoon. I got a couple hours. Should we yeah. go wet a line yeah. type thing? Yeah. They don't do that. So right. there's nobody that I could that I could find that I researched. If you're listening to this right now, by the way, and you know somebody that is fished down in Antarctica, I want to hear about it um, because I've, I'm still this the the file is still open, Matt. <laughs> We're yep. not closing it because it would be so cool to do. But figuring out how to get to a spot that has those fish, that's kind of the biggest thing. And there's not a lot of species of fish to target to begin with, but a lot of research. But it's 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 kind of like, are we really going to drill twenty thousand holes with electric auger? And then we're like, well, yeah, let's do it. I think this is the same kind of topic where we're like, we need to go catch a record in Antarctica. Gosh, would we fist pump? Yeah. Oh man. And then and then it's more it, it's that that's what's cool in marketing is it's like, well, this would be a cool brand statement. And let's say we didn't catch it, it'd just be such a fun story to tell. Yeah. Right? Because you're you still have that like story of the world records and kind of where where Rapala has set itself apart around the globe with with all these different world records. And we have to so we would have to catch it though. The we couldn't fail. Be- we couldn't go down there and fail. It's too much on the line. Okay. You think? Yeah. We would book in a few extra days uh, that were not on the calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's say it's a 13-day trip. We would tell our wives it's a 16-day trip. Yep. You know, just in case. You just said it publicly on our podcast. You blew it. <laughs> you have a wonderful wife. She'd be okay with it. Good point. Yeah. She does listen to podcasts. <laughs> we, better, we better wrap it up here. Matt, we appreciate you taking the time to come in today. We're excited for the new ice fishing season. All of your products and ice fishing products are available. People know where to find them. Um, but you can go to Ice Force to learn more about anything that's new in your uh, from your lines Rapala. right there. Yeah, Rapala.com yep, takes you to all the, the different yep. pages. It's the Amazon of the fishing world, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> you don't like to say that, so I'm saying it for you. But um, 
Anyway, we'll be back. Natalie, anything else that you wanted to add here? Just add good luck out there. Stay safe on early ice. Yes. And yeah, be smart. We hope everyone has fun. Yeah, and check luck. ahead of you. Yeah. Take a bar and check ahead of you. Early ice is scary time of the year. Yep. Even on red, like Going you be groups. careful up there, Natalie. I will. Yeah, we're Every super year, careful. there's somebody yeah. that the crack blows yeah. open and then they got to be rescued. There's a lot of wear great floating suit. suits out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. We have Strike Master floating suits, but there's a lot of good floating suits out there. Just look at them. They're yeah. worth having because they're comfortable, they're warm, and then, you know, they keep you safe. And kids can float now too. Yep. That's, a, that's huge. That's yep. a huge thing. You don't realize, and I'm not going to, drag the show on too long anymore but you don't realize how scary it is until you go in and you need it trust me i've been there and it's it can save your life so we'll leave it at that enjoy ice fishing natalie we're gonna get a live report from the lake i can't wait pressure's on pressure's on i'll be up there shortly after Special thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show and all of our shows possible. Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized Connecticut dealer, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, and Sportsman's Guide. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. 